Well, welcome everybody to the first in what I hope is going to be an irregular series of conversations with my good friend, Dr. Ben Hunt. And we are going to try and unravel narrative. Um, I went and spent a day with Ben at his farm a couple of years ago, and we spent a lot of that time talking about narrative. And some of the things that Ben spoke to me about that day have been rattling around my head ever since. And they've done just such a phenomenal job of helping me understand not what's going on, but sometimes why it's going on and why uh, I'm reading the things I'm reading. And Ben said to me that day, don't just ask the question, why am I reading this, but why am I reading it now? And I think it's so important to understand. So with his help, uh, I'm going to hopefully help you guys understand the narratives around us. And, and hopefully we'll all at the end of this be able to think like Ben and picking them apart and understanding what they're all what they're all there for and, and how we can try and um, step away from them and observe the bigger picture with it with Clear eyes and full hearts, as Ben, as ben so beautifully puts it. Um, ben, thanks so much for doing this, and welcome. <laughs> well, it's great to be here, Grant. Thanks, thanks for having me on. Really, really excited to uh, to participate in this this series of podcasts you're doing with various folks, and it's just fantastic. Well, listen, uh, I, it's it's hard to picture a, a better environment for someone who understands the power of narrative than this. I mean, it feels like narrative has been becoming stronger and stronger over the last, you know, 10, 12, 15 years in terms of its importance. But right now, with things the way they are, control of that narrative has become just extraordinarily strong. And, and so um, what I wanted to do is, is, is pick one of those narratives this week, and perhaps we can tease it apart and, and, and get into it and, and understand the way you look at this. And, and, the, and the thing that is really on my mind, because I, I can't open Twitter without reading a post about it, is this uh, idea or fallacy, as some would call it, of a V-shaped recovery. And, and it, we, you know, mm -hmm. we had the green shoots, we've had Goldilocks before, and now everyone's fixated on the V-shaped recovery. So I'd just love to get your thoughts on that and, and kind of walk alongside you as, you as you pick the whole thing apart. Well, you know what, Grant? Let's let's actually start with one of those examples you just used, where you where you where you said green shoots. So you know, it's uh, that that phrase goes back to uh, two thousand and nine uh, because that was when uh, Ben Bernanke, Fed chair at the time, you know, coming out of the Great Recession. Uh, of course, markets bottomed in in March of that year, uh, essentially at the same time where the Fed started its its uh, large scale asset purchases with with QE one, and you know it wasn't just the, the 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 physical act of buying stuff that the Fed did, but it was also a a, a very uh, intentional strategy of uh, messaging. Of creating what you know, I like to call a narrative, a story, and the the story that got the most traction and that uh, really went alongside their 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 policy announcements. You know what they call forward guidance or communication policy was when uh, Bernanke started talking about green shoots in the economy, and what what he's talking about there is is that the I'll call it the second derivative of decline is is improving. So it's a it was I think brilliantly done by Bernanke, right? That to to uh, really come up with this that this image and that 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 really is I think the secret to so much of of, of good narrative construction uh, to to so that it clicks in your head and you think oh okay I get it, but. What he was trying to describe was uh, a 
uh, a environment where, uh, you know, things were not getting bad as fast as they were right. before. Right. 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 So, and, and that's what you mean by the second derivative. Things, things were still uh, bad and the economy was actually getting worse, but it was not getting worse as, as, as quickly as, as, as it was before. So, uh, you know, that was his, his analogy of green shoots. And, you know, it's, it's, it's come into the, our vernacular as, 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 as any good narrative does. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it, it really goes to show, I think that, that part of what you always, uh, part of the effort that goes into constructing narrative is to come up with that phrase, that evocative image. Uh, it's a meme. And, and when we talk about memes, you know, we talk about the kind of the funny memes that we see on uh, Twitter and the like. But but the but the real original idea of a meme is this infectious uh, story uh, set of words, and 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 that's exactly what an effective narrative is. It's uh, it 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 uses words and language that clicks with us. And and so what you see everyone doing from central bankers to politicians, I mean politicians have known about this forever, uh, but but everyone you hear in our investment world is trying so hard to come up with that infectious language uh to to, to communicate an idea, something that that well, frankly typically benefits them. <laughs> and, and, and so that's why, you know, I come up with this idea of, you know, why am I reading this now? Because there's always an intentionality behind the way that news is reported, right? It, it, it's not just that we're, that you're, like in the case of 2009, it's not just that Bernanke was communicating the news, right? The rate of decline in economic output or the like it's it's declining but declining at a at a at a slower yeah, rate yeah. <laughs> right right now it, it was it was coming up with the words and the imagery to call it green shoots and then once you see that that's starting to work that people say oh okay that that sounds very positive very promising then to stick with it and 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 to, and to keep hammering at these at the, the 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 imagery that you've created so when i say you know why am I reading this now? It's it's to to really require one to to take a step back and think. Okay, well maybe I'm reading it now because you know there was a news report yesterday or a, a data series was released. I mean the the first Friday of every month the 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 unemployment numbers get released, right? So why am I reading about unemployment now on the first Friday of every month? Well, because the data series gets released, but. When I say, why am I reading this now? It's not just what is the information, but how is it being told to us? And, and that, that's how narratives are constructed. It's, uh, I like to call it the you know, shaking, uh, shaking your finger mm -hmm. at someone and not just telling them what to think, not just telling them the news, but telling them how to think about that piece of news.
And once you start looking for that, it's what, it's what I call fiat news, right? It's not fake news. It, right. It's not something someone is making up. It's not a lie. But it, it is a description of opinion as fact. It, it's saying, yeah, the unemployment rate was X, Y, Z. But now the important part of the message is, how do I want you to yep. think about that unemployment rate? So that that's the sort of thing that, that once you start looking for it, I say you see it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in, in every aspect of our social lives, frankly, every aspect of our personal lives, it's, it's, it's particularly rampant today with the advent of social media, because what is Twitter, right? Except to present opinion exactly. as, as fact. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Right. What, what is, what is, what are these 24 hour quote unquote news stations, whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or CNBC? Right? What are the? Wh- wh- there's not 24 hours of fact to present, right. and if there were, nobody would watch yeah, it. Right. No, <laughs> right? no, you're right. You're right. right. What, what what there is is a is a series of people presenting their opinions as fact. And it, you know, it, it, it's it's what Wall Street in particular is based on. Right? I mean, when people talk about, oh, I have an investment theme, or, or here's why I like stock XYZ, or here's why I hate stock XYZ, they are telling you how to think about a specific set of facts that are presented. And, you know, once, I'm, I'm not saying you don't believe them. You may say, oh, that's a great idea. That's really smart. What I'm saying is that you need to step back and think critically about why are you hearing this now? Why are these words being used? And frankly, you know, how, how are these words being intentionally constructed to try to get you to agree with it? It's, it's, it's a whole different way of, I think, seeing the world. It, 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 it can be, how to say this? I, I mean, it kind of makes you suspicious. Right. Yeah, right? yeah, naturally. Right, right. right? But I, I think that level of suspicion, what I like to call distance, intellectual distance, emotional distance, is so important today when we have you know, massive economic and political dislocations, when we know that powerful interests, whether in politics or economics, you know, their currency today is well, celebrity, yeah. popularity, yeah. trust. And, and, and that shouldn't be given so freely. I, I think it's so important today for us to maintain our distance uh, because I, I think that in almost every case, really every case I can think of, our political and our economic leaders, they're not, <laughs> you know, they're not giving us their opinion as fact. They're not telling us how to think about the news or the world for any other reason than they want to influence yep. us. And I, I get it, but I don't want to be anybody's sucker. I don't want to be anybody's fool. Well, let, let, let me ask you and, this. this the, when we talk, let's talk about the, the green shoots here, because um, you, that yeah. definitely had a feeling as though it was thought about, planned, you know, tested, we've tried it on people, and yeah, green shoots, that, that's mm-hmm. the one. That, that really had that feel to it like it was, and, and you're right, they came out and they hammered this thing. Um, then you look, look at the flip side of that, you look at uh, Draghi's famous whatever it takes, right, and you read Tim, whatever Tim it takes. Knight's book, 
And Tim Garner tells the story that that Draghi basically scribbled that on a napkin yep. before he took to the dais that day. So you, and that is arguably become even more powerful than than green shoots, right? The, the whatever it takes is now used for everything, right? So let me ask this: What is it about us that makes us so susceptible? To this stuff is it just because we're lazy and we want everything boiled down into a handy little phrase that we can that, that will we can kind of, kind of congeal every idea around and not have to think too hard about it what is it about us that allows this stuff to get so deep into us so quickly well i'll tell you grant i i think and this is part of my our research efforts here with the the, the company i started it, it it's trying to understand why do some words and phrases and memes and narratives why do they click and why do some not right so so you're you, you mentioned the you know draghi's famous whatever it takes which you know does seem to be something that he had scribbled down <laughs> that morning while he was shaving right before he gave that 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 talk in in, in london but what was I, I think really most influential about that and and it, you see this with advertising you see this with you know what they'll say if you're doing um, you know search engine optimization at Google these A B tests yeah. right like you 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 put out two versions of a message uh, and again advertisers have known this this forever you, you you put out three different versions of commercials you know Hollywood will tape three different endings for a movie and they'll try it out because they don't they don't know. Yeah which ones are going to click and which ones aren't. So, so what's, what's I, I think, most interesting about the whatever it takes is, is not just that uh, Draghi said that when he said it, but the very next day, because it did get a reaction from people, oh, whatever, oh, I wonder what that right, means, right? right. right? But, but the very next day, uh, Merkel used exactly the same phrase. And and it's this uh, and and uh, who was the, the 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 French president at the at the time Sarkozy, Sarkozy right Sarkozy did the same, so it's 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 it really leads one to think of of all of of communication and narrative in this sort of uh, again I'll call it an advertising model right you 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 try a lot of different stuff if you are an advertiser uh, or a, a narrative creator yeah, right, like right. you are in Hollywood. Yes, right, exactly. right? And, and, but the, the case is politicians, again, have known this forever. They'll try different versions of speeches until they get something that works on the stump, right? And then they'll put it into heavy rotation in a political campaign. Now central bankers are getting, getting in on the act. Now, you know, every, every corporate CEO is getting in on the act. It's, there's a logic to this, Right, uh, but there's still a lot we don't understand in terms of well, what are the kind of words and language and, and images that will click with us? Uh, but 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 we have now uh, the again the 24/7 media and social media, so that if you are in the business of content and narrative creation, you can try a lot of stuff yeah. out until you find so something true. that sticks. Yeah. So true. I, I just I, I, in my head, I'm just going back to the 70s and thinking about the three different endings they shot. For love story and thinking what kind of monsters yep. reacted better to that ending <laughs> and marley and me spoiler alert the dog dies sorry about that um, exactly so, exactly so, uh, well let's 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 wrap all that into this this v-shaped recovery yep. let's, let's talk about 
why that's important, why we, we need to try and frame it that way and 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 whether it's gaining any traction. Because it, it, I, I saw it a lot, but it feels like it's starting to slip now. It, it feels like it didn't quite get a grip on the on the rock face, but maybe you, maybe you think differently. Well, I, I think that the the when we talk about a V-shaped recovery, what we're talking about is the duration or the timing of the of the decline, right? And I actually thought it was a very powerful uh, narrative in the sense that it was being repeated by all the missionaries yeah. that you know on on CNBC it was in heavy rotation yeah, let's right. call it and 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 again the the idea of a v-shaped recovery is it's it's like green shoots it's very evocative you get it immediately uh you say oh okay that makes sense that makes sense to me and and again it's not a lie i mean over a long enough time frame frankly you can describe any recovery <laughs> right, right as a, as a v-shaped we recovery yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so it, it, again, it's not a lie, and you can certainly point to you know prior examples of market declines where ta-da, you know, I look at it over six months, or whatever. It's a V, or I can describe it as a V, and it it fits so well with what Wall Street needs, right? You you need <laughs> this is the business of Wall Street. You need you need buyers. Yeah, right. You 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 know what what what's next? What am I selling next? And it's also something you know you can't give evidence. It's very difficult to get a, a countervailing narrative. And and what I mean by that is the way to think about narratives is not in a sense of oh this one's right or this one is is, is wrong. Similarly, it's it's wrong to think of narratives as living in a vacuum. The way I, I really think you should think about narratives is think of them as like, honest to God, living creatures, right. little you know amoebas that swim around in you know this this water we call uh, you know our communications yeah. and and the way we we we, we talk with each other and a a narrative if it's not confronted with another little amoeba creature right yeah it 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 grows it, it narratives don't die on their own narratives only wax and wane as another narrative comes to replace right. it there's always a narrative you know multiple narratives lots of little you know paramecia yes. you know amoebas they could all grow inside this 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 drop of of of, of water uh but it's, I think it's a real mistake to think of these things as as just sui generis, as just living there by itself. So th the reason is I think it's very hard to have a successful, I'll call it counter-narrative, an L-shaped recovery, right. right? Where we go down and we stay down for a long period of time. There are two problems with that. One is, what missionary is going to take that on as their message? Yeah, good good point. Right. It, it 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 doesn't work for anyone, right? Right. None of the people who could get on CNBC or the journal to 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 make that message, right? But, you know, even Bill Ackman, right? Who you know, right? Who kind of famously went on CNBC while he had puts <laughs> on the market to you know to, to talk about to, the end of the world. You know, to talk about the end of the world because he was also then he wanted to you know go long after you know blah 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 right but but even a Bill Ackman there's nothing in it for him to 
be a missionary for for an L right, yeah. for for going down and staying down, right? So that that's problem number one. Problem number two is again a, a narrative isn't fake news. It's not making something up. It's it's finding an event in the world and then putting it in language and words that clicks with people, right? right? And to get a, 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 I think the news, the the actual information flow to back up an L-shaped recovery, what you need is corporations, real-world corporations, talking about forward guidance in ways that say, hey, this isn't coming back. Our business isn't coming back, right? And obviously, <laughs> yeah, you're similarly probably not going to get that from corporate CEOs. Because the last thing you want to do is come out there and say, oh, yeah, we're keeping our forward guidance, and man, it yeah, sucks, right. right? On the other hand, what you did see with pretty much every corporation in, in Q1 was when they, they came out in, in, in April and now into May to give their, uh, their Q1 earnings announcements, they took their long-term forward guidance yeah. off, right? They said, we're not going to talk yep. about it. So there was no information there for somebody to say, oh, this, this could last for a long time in the, in, in, in the real world and then translate into market world. Now, I think where that ultimately comes out is, you know, this July, towards the end of July, going into August, we'll get the Q2 earnings announcements, at which point in time, you know, you've at least got to say something about Q3. You would, you would think, you would think, yeah. <laughs> You would think, you would, and, and, and look, all companies do, right? They, they, they say, okay, here were the results for the, the, the quarter just completed. Here's what we're projecting. Here's our guidance for the, the quarter we're in today. What's changed is that most companies have taken off their long-term guidance, right? So it come July and August, I, I think we'll see some ammunition if there are missionaries who want to say, oh, this is not a V-shaped recovery, but an L-shaped recovery. Yeah. I, I think that's how it happens. There's one other place, and you know, you ask, well, who would have an incentive to do that? Political entrepreneurs. Political entrepreneurs, not business entrepreneurs, not market entrepreneurs, not market missionaries, but political missionaries have an incentive to say it's going to be an L-shaped recovery. Right. right? So if, if those are the facts, if that is what happens, and I, and I want to talk about that, right? Um, I, I think that's how it would play out. That that come July or come August, you'll you'll start to see the I'll call it the the raw material being present, the the amino acids being present, <laughs> right? To create this kind of amoeba that is a counter narrative to the V shaped recovery. But in the in the absence of that, right? This is what narratives do. They're again they're like a living creature. They they're they're an environment where there's nothing to to keep them from growing, and so they 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 at least survive. So, I mean, it's interesting to talk about that. Obviously, we have we have the U.S. election coming up, presumably in mm -hmm. November. I mean, I guess they'll they'll make it all mail in or something, and that's going to be a complete um, shit fight, I'm sure. Clusterfuck, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, but but let's let's talk about that. Cause that's interesting. We get to July, August, and and you're right. Then it's it is time to get that political narrative brewing up, nice and strong. Um, and you find yourself in a position where if you're the Democrats, I guess, you are looking at, well, okay, we've we've got to sound down on the economy, but we've got to find a way to blame it on Trump. We can't we can't be too yep. positive about it because we don't want to give people hope. 
really, but we, we, mm-hmm. need to, we need to give them hope in us rather than just plain old hope. So if you're thinking about that, how do you pull that apart and how do you pull something together from that that, that suits you if you're, if you're either in power as the Republicans are or looking to get back into power as the Democrats are? Well, yeah, I think you put it exactly the, in, in the, the correct frame, uh, Grant. I, I mean, what the Democrats will absolutely attempt to do, and you haven't really seen this effort start yet, but, but it's, it, it's coming without a doubt, is to try to hang this recession and it's at least that, if not a yeah. depression, you're going to you're going to try to hang that uh, around Trump's neck, and uh, he knows that. So you know he's going to try to obviously fight against that. And now he's saying, "Oh well, I'm the right person to rebuild right. the economy," right. you know, which I, I I think is probably not a great, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's not a great vantage point to be in, right? But but again, it's an example of trying to take that same raw information and create a an image or a story that that that, that yeah. works for you so I, I think that's coming I, I think that's going to be pretty darn effective right because as as even trump said you know the stock market is my scorecard and uh uh the the economy was his his ticket right but but here's the here's the downside to that right which is that Essentially, and this is the trap I think that the Democrats have to avoid falling into, you have to avoid rooting for bad right. news. Yeah. Right. When when in this case the bad news is people dying. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Right. So and and look, I I'm a I'm a short seller at heart, right? When when I ran my hedge fund, that was, you know, my main focus, which is which was was doing the shorts. And um you know, it's just the way some people are right. wired, like right. like like me, and I can't help it, right? And the the reason I think that 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 so many short sellers become oh, it it, it it's hard on your psyche because you 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 really then are pulled in the sense that what's good for you in your portfolio and your pocketbook it's what's bad yeah. for frankly everyone because look the, the the market at least the you know I'm, I'm not talking about the derivative derivatives are a zero-sum game right every winner has an equal uh, loser but capital markets you know the stock market that's not a zero-sum game right it's, it's a positive sum game as the markets go up Everybody, with the exception of uh, yeah, short sellers, right. right, is 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 better off. So, in the same token, when markets go down, everyone is worse off. Everyone's worse mm-hmm. off, and and it's it's and this is true, particularly over a longer period of time, which is why the the short sellers who have been able to stick with this for a long time. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about a guy like Jim Chanos, yeah. for example, right? Who just is, he's fantastic. Uh, I think you have to have specific things you are shorting and are looking for, not just a systemic and generic 
you know, collapse because yeah, that I completely agree. It really yeah. is so hard, right? To to say, oh, I'm rooting for everyone to be worse off. Yeah. And and in a political sense, when we're talking about the Democratic Party, people sniff this out, right? You if if you're there basically rooting for more death, right? That's a that's a that's a that's a very uh bad position to be in from a narrative construction and from a position of trying to win an election. Sure. You want to be an optimist. You want to be happy and rooting for good news to happen. And, and, and so I, that's the needle that the Democratic Party has to thread, I think. How to be optimistic and, and really rooting for good news, while at the same time making the the political argument that the belated and you know in my view kind of colossally silly response that the Trump White House has had to this to this COVID-19 pandemic um you know that's the reason why we have this recession or or depression well it's, it's you know it but is is that a needle that can be thread Threaded, threadled, throd, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that because it sounds like a hell of a tightrope well, to try and walk? Here's 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 how I do it, Grant, and and it gets into how I've been thinking about markets and and what's in front of us, regardless of who's elected in November, right? The, 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 there's <laughs> as interested as I am in that question, I'm much more interested in the question of well. What the hell really does happen to our political system, our economic system, not just in the U.S., but around the world around COVID-19, right? Is it an L-shaped depression? Because, you know, I, I, again, I, I care who's elected president, but I, what I really care about is that yeah, sure. and, 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 and what comes after that. And... What I want to suggest to you, and this is this is frankly not not a a weakness of narrative studies, but I think a, a contour of it that you have to realize. Ultimately, uh, what happens in the world, and this is true for narrative as well, is very path dependent. All right, what what do I mean by that? And I'll give an example from the the Democratic primary that that, that we just had. If you were just looking at this from a, a narrative perspective, and you know we wrote a lot about this at, on, on Epsilon Theory, the Bernie Sanders narrative was so much stronger yeah. than Joe Biden's. So much stronger. You, you know, the, 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 the Biden narrative, such as it was, was, um, I, you know, I, I'm— I've been around for a long time, and you know, I I was associated with a guy you yeah, liked. Yeah, I stood near and, a guy that, that you know, did the job I, before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I can I can beat Trump. And it's like, you know, that's like an airline advertising. Oh, we're the safest airline in the world because you know we've never had a, a crash. Well, as soon as you have a crash, well, what is your narrative? Right. <laughs> you're, you're, it's it's gone. There there's there's no reason for anyone to vote for you. Whereas Sanders, and again, I'm, I'm I'm talking about this as a 
external observer, right? Not not as you know because I oh I I love Bernie Sanders' yeah, right. policies. I do, I don't right, but he had such a much more coherent narrative, one that was really central to how Democratic voters in this primary were talking about what concerned them and what was interesting to them. Now, here's what I mean by path dependency. Going into Super Tuesday, so this is after the, you know, the 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 four you had um, New Hampshire, uh, and we of had course Iowa. Iowa. You had yep. New Hampshire. You had Nevada, which was a big victory for Sanders, for Sanders, yeah. and then you had South Carolina, right, where South <clears> Carolina <throat> was Biden's comeback, right, and then you had Super Tuesday. So going into Super Tuesday, Elizabeth Warren stays in the race. Everyone else, Mayor Pete, yep. you know, Amy, you know, they, they all drop out of the race. And here's what I mean by path dependency. If Elizabeth Warren had dropped out of the race before Super Tuesday, Bernie Sanders would be the Democratic candidate yeah, for president agreed. right now, not Joe Biden. And, you know, even Donald Trump noticed this and just, you know, he's not wrong. He's absolutely right because Warren stayed in the race and 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 of course she knew exactly what she was yeah. doing, right? As did Mayor Pete, as did everyone else. This is what I mean by path dependency. I I don't care how strong your narrative is, events in the world can change what happens in the world. Uh, you know, narrative or not, right? So what I think the path to there and when it there's not just one path dependency when it comes to COVID nineteen and the the the, the long term consequences of this and, and believe it or not this is going to come back to your question Grant about you know how did the Democrats thread this needle the major path dependency I see today is are we going to have a reasonable vaccine, a working vaccine in six months or 16 yeah. months or, or never, never. Yeah. right? Or, ne or never. The world is going to be enormously different if we have a vaccine in six months, right? A vaccine in six months, I'm going to tell you, yeah, it's not exactly a V-shaped recovery, but I, I, I think we can get back to the world somewhat yeah. as it was. Yes, there'll be changes, et cetera, et cetera. But if we've got a, a, a vaccine that actually works in six months, and, and it won't be available for everyone, I get all that, right? I mean, we'll have produced, you know, some doses and they'll go first to healthcare workers and there's got to be a long time of, of, you know, make sure it's safe and, and the like. But let's say we really think we've got a, a, a vaccine that works in six months, you know that that's that's a path for the world that is so different from a vaccine that we only I'll say discover or believe is is efficacious in sixteen. Yeah, totally months. agree. I think that's absolutely right. Right, and and so when I and when I think about you know how we should act as investors. I, I think we have to understand that 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 how we would want to invest is totally different 
on 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 this question that that is totally path dependent, right? And you know, to get back to your original question, I, I think that's how the Democrats frame this, right? That that where you have optimism and where you have hope is for uh, talking about a vaccine. Now, of course, Trump's going to do the same thing. Sure. And you saw yeah, this yesterday, yep. right? Yep. You know, Operation Warp Speed and all like this. And, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to have it all available for people in, in, you know, by the end of the year. I, I, I think that's nonsense, right? But I, but I do think that if you're the Democrats, you, you want to be optimistic about the future uh, at the same time that you're trying to, to, to hang the, the, the results that we're getting right now, the historical results of this plague, which have been horrible for the United States, you know, directly on Trump. That, that's how I yeah. try to thread the needle. So how do, I mean, how do we, when we're sitting here watching this go on, and I'm, I'm referring to the we as investors primarily, because that's many yeah. of the people who are going to be listening yeah. to this uh, podcast, but obviously there'll be people out there as well that kind of stumble upon it, hopefully. But how do we need to think about what we're being fed in the next let's call it three to six months, because as you say, we're going to get through this Q2 and then it's kind of a big black void. We don't really know what's happening until we get some kind of concrete guidance. But in in, in the middle of all that, I mean, all this awful unemployment numbers are now a negative 48% GDP print in the, in the Atlanta Fed forecast. Yep. There's nothing but bad news and nothing but positive market action. How do we need yep. to think about that to make sure that we're not caught flat-footed by the, a change in the narrative or, or really the unveiling of a new and perhaps more powerful narrative backed by concrete, observable inputs? So I've, I've been wrestling with this a lot. And the first thing I'll say is that there are some investors and these these tend not to be the people listening to your to your program grant these tend to be you know the biggest pension funds or the i'll call it institutional investors out there not that they don't listen hey, to your to your show grant they've got better but, things to do but, i'm sure but no 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 it's not that not not that at all uh but there're just not many of them but they they carry a big yeah. stick right they 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 control you know tens or hundreds of billions of dollars if you are that investor, even though you're this foundation or this pension fund with a really long-term uh, horizon, certainly long-term obligations in terms to your pensioners, I think you have to invest as if the world is going to make a comeback. Right. Right. As, as if a vaccine will come out and it will be effective. And, and the reason I say that is that you if the if the other path if we go down the other path right a, a vaccine is is not available and we and covid-19 becomes an endemic not just a you know a pandemic but endemic meaning it's always with us right i don't think that uh the world can find a way to live with covid-19 in a in a chronic way, in an endemic way, where you've got five hundred to a thousand people dying every day mm -hmm. in the United States, where you've got you know five thousand plus people dying every day around the world from COVID nineteen, right? Because that that's if there is no vaccine that's possible, uh, if there's um, 
you know, or even if a vaccine isn't developed for, you know, a, you know, like say 16 yeah. months instead of six months, the damage that is done, the, the, the structural changes that occur in both our economic system, but I, I think even more importantly, our political system, I, I don't think we have the leadership in the world. I, I don't think we have the robust political and economic systems in the world that can survive an endemic, chronic COVID-19 pestilence. Right? And, and so what, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that we, uh, I, and I, I hate to say this, right, but, but I think we go down a path of war between the major mm-hmm. powers. I think we go down a path of, again, I, I don't use this term lightly, I'll call it national, national socialism. Yep right? Where the idea of markets, whether in, in the idea of, of free markets or free elections, I, I, they, don't, they don't survive this. They don't, they, they don't survive this. And so if you are one of these massive institutions, or frankly, if you're a, you know, a company that's geared to this, you have no choice but to bet on that not yeah. happening. No, absolutely right. Because right. because because otherwise what, you're what done. Betting on, otherwise you're done. What, what does betting on that happening look like? Right. I mean, it's it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah ex- exactly exactly right. Now, if you are a, uh, I'll say an individual investor, where you know you're trying to protect your wealth, your family's wealth. Frankly, you're just trying to protect your yeah, family right now. Right. And, and then I think you have to think about this. You have a degree of freedom. I know that sounds weird to think about in this terms, but but I think you have to take the the, the bad path more seriously because I, I think it is possible. I, I have to think it's possible for us to survive that, and it 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 requires, I think, again this this recognition that I I don't know what path the world is going to go down. I really don't know. It's what's called tech. It's called uncertainty as opposed to risk, right? right? Uncertainty is when, yeah. you know, I don't know what odds to put to the future. And the most important thing I think you can do in a period of uncertainty as opposed to mere risk is to reduce your gross exposure, reduce your gross exposure. It doesn't mean, you know, putting on hedges and, and just reducing your net exposure. It means pulling in your yeah. horns and, and reducing your gross exposure. And that'll mean different things for different people. I think a lot of people are doing that already. It's too soon to make that big bet, right? It's too soon to say, oh, I'm going to go buy XYZ sector or I'm going to buy this corporation or, 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 or that, right? Because the world of a vaccine in six months is a completely and totally different world than a vaccine yeah. not yeah, in six so months. So true. It's it, you know I, when I, I look at that and I and I think of it exactly the same way. I'm trying to think and I look at all these anecdotal evidence. I look at people. You know, I, I was um, reading something yesterday about someone who'd been I think in the in the the line at the coffee shop or something. He was talking to a, an elderly guy in front of him who'd said. That uh, I say elderly, Christ, he was, I think he said he was 65. Mm-hmm. I'm not that far off there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he mm-hmm. said, you know, my wife and I were spending, our, our monthly spending was 4,200 bucks. We're down to 1,000. And he said, we're never going back. Mm-hmm. We're never going back to 4,200 bucks again. 
we, we've realized we don't need to do that. We don't need to live that life. Now, obviously, when we come out of this things, uh, I, I believe that behavior will change dramatically. Um, the longer it goes on, the more dramatically so, to, to your point about that yep. vaccine problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, Jonathan Tepper, for example, put up, put up something on Twitter the other day yep. saying that anyone who thinks that human behavior is going to change is, is out of their minds. I'm paraphrasing Jonathan. He's much more eloquent than that. But, you know, I was surprised to see that. And, 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 you know, and, I, and I take things that Jonathan says seriously because I know how, how deeply he thinks about everything he says. So I'm interested what you think about this and, and whether behavioral changes are going to be a, as dramatic as I feel they might be how much of that depends on this time frame? I mean, the longer this behavior gets entrenched, the deeper it gets entrenched. How do you see behavior changing post-COVID, whatever that may mean post-COVID? Well, look, I, I don't think that our behavioral imperatives change. And, and, and frankly, there are only two, fear and right. greed, right? That, that does not change. I, I get that, right? But the, the balance between fear and greed, I think, changes dramatically in this, in this, in this sort of world. And, I'll, I'll, and, I, and I, I, frankly, I don't think that's a change. I, I think we've always had that reaction as human beings to respond, I'll, I'll call it fearfully, just because I've set that up in, in opposition to the you know, to, to greed, responding yep. greedily, yeah. right? Uh, and when I say fearfully, I mean cautiously. And, and this is what I mean by I, I don't think that's any different from how we've always behaved. I, you know, you know, Grant, I, I love I love gangster movies, right. right? I love mafia movies, right? The Godfather, of course, in particular. But right. there's this this great scene in the the, the movie Casino. Right where the um, the the protagonist, you know, De Niro and Pesci, they're they're out in Las Vegas, but the but the mob bosses who really control everything are back in like Kansas City and you know places like that, right? And hey, and so they've got this wonderful. They've got scene better things to do, I'm sure. Of the the mob bosses back in Kansas City, they've all gathered together to talk about what's going on. And the, the, the news comes in that one of their lieutenants, right, not one of them, not a boss, but, but a lieutenant, was uh, arrested uh, and, you know, was taken in for questioning. And the, the, the first mob boss that, that, that talks about this says, oh, you know, Johnny, man, he's, yeah, he's, he's strong as a rock. We don't have to worry about Johnny. And the, the, the next Bob boss says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew his dad, you know, he's, he's a strong as a rock, you know, he's, he's high. We got, we got nothing to worry about with Johnny. And then finally it's the, the head boss who kind of looks around and says, yeah, yeah, Johnny's great, but why take a chance? <laughs> why take a chance? And, right. and that of course right. is Johnny's right. death sentence, right? right. Yeah. Why, why, why take a chance? <laughs> and this, this again, this has always been with us. It's always the reaction uh, that you know, wh why take a chance? And there's there's so much about COVID nineteen in the absence of a vaccine, particularly for you know 
people, you know, I'm 56, Grant, you know, and, you know, not, again, not too far away from that. And I, I'm in decent shape. I could sure stand to lose a few pounds. But, you know, it, it, and it's not like I think that, that if I catch it, it's a death sentence. And yet, why take a chance? Why take a chance? Because, yeah. and I really don't want my mother to take, to, to take that chance. Right. I, I, it, I, I think if I caught COVID-19 today, I've probably got 1% chance of a 1% chance of die, of dying from it, which on the surface doesn't seem like a lot. And on the right. other hand, I say to you, to, to anyone who says, are you, are you fucking kidding me? That's horrible. A 1% chance of dying for this one thing. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's at least 20 times more dangerous than anything I've ever done in my life. Right. Any experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, 1% chance that that's totally unacceptable to me. Uh, and, and so absolutely my behaviors are going to change. You better believe my behaviors are going to change. Uh, and, and so that's why I, I, I just, Look, I, there are so many aspects of this. Even if I wanted to go back to normal, quote unquote, look, the 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 world doesn't work that way. I, I, I'm sure you know lots of people in history who have been confronted with things like real wars or real diseases, like we're experiencing today. They'd love for things to go back to normal, but you know, wishing that and wanting that, yeah. uh, you know. But it's, it's you know it's 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 a sad truth. But but you know you and I and and most people who have had a career on Wall Street, um, presuming mm-hmm. they haven't um, done anything dumb, are in a fortunate enough position where they're able to change those behaviours, right? And 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 they are able to decide. You know what? I'm not going to take that chance because it's yep. it's too bad. I am going to work from home. Or I am going to do this. Yeah. The the problem I guess comes from um, quote unquote the man in the street. Uh, who doesn't have that luxury? Who who is living paycheck to paycheck? And, and and from all the surveys that you see in the U.S. particularly about you know the the the, the deficiency in people's savings accounts, etc. You know, it's not a choice that people actually get to make. It's like, well, I, I either yep. run a one percent chance of dying of COVID, or I run a five percent chance of dying of starvation by not going back to work. And and that's kind of brings us back to that political thing where you've got to try and find a way to keep people going through this. And I look at the UK um, and the checks they're writing in the UK mm-hmm. are insane. I mean, absolutely insane. But you know, and it's a Tory government there and they're, and they're making no bones about it. We're going to have to do this. Is this is this the path that everybody's ultimately going to have to go down? You know, we've seen this Democrat latest Democrat bill they're trying to pass that the Republicans said they block in the Senate. Um, it feels as though... The only way that people can, from a policy standpoint, get through this is to keep shoveling money out the door so that people can make that choice as to whether yeah, they're going to Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And again, that, that's why I think the only question that matters is whether we get a vaccine in six months or 16 months or never. Yeah. Right? Because if this is, quote unquote, a bridge loan, right, and 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 don't let's not even get started on the quote unquote bridge loans that are being made to companies like Boeing, right? Or, 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 or the airlines right. where it's actually being yeah. couched in those terms as bridge loans. I'm talking about bridging, you know, the, the, the single mom who <laughs> needs to freaking work and, 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 and is now going to food banks right now yeah. right? to, to 
to, to literally, the, the, that's right. That's right. And, and queuing around so, the block. You know, yeah. They're the people yeah. I want to bridge. Right? And, and to the exclusion pretty much of, of anyone else, frankly. Right. If, if that is a bridge loan, right, if the unemployment insurance is in fact something that isn't perpetual, well, yeah, I, I think we can come out of this. But what are the politics that can sustain, I'll call it permanent unemployment or, you know, uh, you know what, what sort of political system and economic system can sustain this on a long-term basis? And unfortunately, the answer I keep coming back to is national socialism, Right. This puts the final nail into the coffin of capital markets in terms of what they've always meant, which is a transmission belt of capital from the private sector, from individuals into productive corporations. Right? It turns them into political utilities where, where you have national champions, and yeah. that's it. That's it. Right and, and and you know there there is no Russell two thousand right in a in a in a in a future world where there is no right. Right. Uh, uh, vaccine right it's it's thirty forty companies corporations that that are you know uh, you know completely not just too big to fail but uh, you know they they are they are part of the government structure. And 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 so, this is why I say that yeah. that in that it, everything hinges to me on this path dependency of whether we get a vaccine that that really works in six months or not. And and and, and look, we're going to be told we have a vaccine that works in six months. <laughs> that that's what we're going to be told because you know Trump Trump can't get reelected if he doesn't say that. Right. The Democrats want to maintain some optimism that we can get back to normal. People are going to the, the big institutions are going to be investing as if this is going to happen because they have no choice. They don't survive in a in a in a different sort of world. Yeah. So the but then the question becomes and this will be a 2021 question, does it actually work? Does it actually work? And if it doesn't, yeah. then we're going down a path where everything changes. And it's not a matter of, oh, I want to invest in this sector or that sector. It's it's an issue of what you know, we become, you know, this this Americanized version of, you know, China, frankly, <laughs> right? Right. And there's this wonderful movie, Grant. Right. I, I don't know if you've seen right. it. It's called Children of Men. Clive Owen did a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. Right? Clive Owen. And yeah, Michael Caine. Um, is Michael Caine in it? He is in it. It's the, the, the old guy. Yeah. He's a, so it was a, yeah, a, a yeah. wonderful book written by P.D. James. And it was an even better movie, I think. But the the premise of the movie that in the the great flu pandemic of 2008, I mean, this is really the premise of the, the book, right? The great flu pandemic of 2008, the result of that is basically to make humankind sterile. Uh, nobody has babies after 2008. And so by 2027, which is when the, the, the movie supposedly takes place, the world has gone down this long slog into to, to anarchy and lawlessness, and that the only civilized nation remaining is, is the UK, is Great Britain. 
Uh, but to survive, that the United States has become this 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 uh, fundamentalist, uh, just kind of like, you know, America stand, right? Some some some, you know, it's just the religious war, right? Yeah, right, I, I, right, I, right, I, right, I can't right. be honest. Then I thought this was a documentary. But, but, when but I first Great saw Britain, it. in order to survive, <laughs> has turned into this just this brutal police state, and to me, that that is the vision. If we don't have a vaccine to this, if this becomes an endemic, meaning chronic issue, where uh, again you have there there is no vaccine, there there is no there is no trust that you can have. It it it's a it's a constant wearing away and a constant requirement of governments to well we don't want people dying in the streets so what the hell do we do and and I'll tell you the answer Grant because right. it's always the same right. answer you start a war you do and you move to fascism that 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 is the answer yep. and 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 I really think that's what's going to happen yep. if we don't have a vaccine on that shiny note right. All right. Well, on that sunny note, uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, Ben. I mean, it's it's the the the, the beauty of this is the this is such uh, a fast evolving situation. And there's going to be so many forks in these roads that we can sit and hopefully chat about these and, and pick these things apart. And I I can't thank you enough for sharing the insides of that brain of yours with me because it's uh, it's always a real treat. And I always walk away thinking about stuff. Now it's going to be it's going to be uh, you know why, why take, take a chance? chance? Why take Casino? a chance? Because I, I haven't seen that movie for years. Why take a chance? But look, listen, before we, before we wrap up, I just want to give you a chance. I, I did a series of homenars uh, last month, and, and I talked in those uh, at the beginning and the end about your efforts with Frontline Heroes. And so for the people listening to this that haven't had a chance to hear you talk about that, I mean, I'm sure most of them will have done, but perhaps you could just talk a little bit about what oh, you're doing. Well, thanks, thanks for giving me the chance, it's, it's such uh, an important Grant. Uh, Frontline Heroes is uh, uh, an initiative we started to try to get uh, PPE, personal protective equipment, directly into the hands of doctors, nurses, EMTs, uh, police departments, fire departments, social workers. What we're trying to do is we're trying not to compete with government. You know, we're not out there trying to get a million N95 masks and, and the like, but we're also not waiting on government because in the same way that we have a trickle-down economy, we also have a trickle-down system of medical supplies where FEMA and the, the other emergency organizations, they do wonderful work, but they, they work in this trickle-down way that, frankly, often never trickles down to the people on the front lines fighting this war for us. So uh, we've trying to solve this problem by uh, finding a way to, to source and pay for uh, N95 and N95 equivalent masks, and then I think even more importantly, get them directly into the hands of the people who are in urgent need of this. So to date, we've raised a little over $700,000. We've distributed over 80,000 N95 masks to over 700 individual clinics and hospitals and fire departments and EMTs and, 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 and the like. So uh, it's if you're interested in, in learning more, making a donation, or this is a really important thing, if you know someone who needs PPE, who needs masks, let us know. You can find out all those things at frontlineheroesusa.org. All one word, 
frontlineheroesusa.org. Well, that's right. And, and speaking for someone who, who has a friend who was in need, uh, who you very kindly sent some masks to within a few days. I mean, I, I've seen what that meant to you know, somebody working on the front lines. And it's an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary thing you're doing. And um, anyone out there listening that can help, please do uh, visit that site and, and help in, in any way you can. Um, all right, well, look, let's uh, wrap things up then. Just let people know where they can... Oh, I'm easy. It's, it's um, Twitter, all, all Epsilon Theory all the time. So it's uh, <laughs> EpsilonTheory.com and it's at Epsilon Theory on Twitter. There we go. And you can follow me, should you choose to do so, at TTMYGH. We'll be back at some point in the future to talk more about narrative. In the meantime, my thanks to Ben, as always, and my thanks to you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.